The light has shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Welcome to Second Baptist Church on this fourth Sunday of Advent for Christmas Eve. We're so glad that you've gathered here to worship with us for this special service on this special day. If you're a guest here today, I want to offer a word of particular welcome. We hope that you've been warmly greeted and that you feel the hospitality of Christ in this place. For guests, there is a guest information card in the pew rack in front of you. If you're able to fill this out, you can simply leave it on the pew at the end of the service and we'll collect those. It'll give us a way to tell you more about what's going on in the life of our church. We gather as friends as God's invitation who is even now wooing us, inviting us, whispering to us in our pleasures, and shouting to us in our pains, calling us to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Once in royal David's city stood a lowly cattle shed where a mother laid her baby in a manger for his bed. Jesus Christ, her little 
Advent wreath is a circle with no beginning and no end. It is a symbol of God's unending love and faithfulness. Jesus Christ is the brightest revelation of God's love. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. became flesh and made his dwelling among us among us we have seen his glory the glory This reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and, de and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and the faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion will feed together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as, they, as the waters cover the sea.
Hear this reading from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are the one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she, who is in labor, has brought forth. Then the rest of the kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed this flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And he shall be the one of peace.
reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 32. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found a favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David.
A reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1, 3 through 7. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who he was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place in the guest room.
A reading from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth.
we will be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. Now in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all of the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. Yeah. Hey. 
reading from Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 11. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judah, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. From you shall come a ruler who is shepherd by my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. They, then they sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you find him, bring me the word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw a child with Mary, his mother. They knelt down to pay him homage. Then opened their treasure chests. They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thank you. 
I thank God for all who have led us so beautifully in worship on this holy night. Let us pray. Oh God, in this brief preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I know a Christian who said that the hardest thing for him to believe in the entire Christian faith is the virgin birth. Of all the doctrines of Christianity, the most difficult for him to accept is that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Some say such a birth is impossible because biologically speaking, it does not compute. But the Gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, report that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary by the power of God's Spirit. If there is indeed a God who created all things, then surely God's potential exceeds the routine restrictions of biology, then surely God can bring life in new and surprising and amazing ways. I'm not saying the virgin birth is self-evident or irrefutable. I'm saying I believe it. Similarly, I've heard people say that Jesus did not really walk on water. In fact, I once heard a sermon in a Baptist church in which it was declared that Jesus could not have literally walked on the water's surface. It reminded me of a trip I took to the Sea of Galilee way back in the winter of 2000. A tour guide there explained to our group one theory that accounts for how Jesus could have walked on the water. At times, the water level in the Sea of Galilee is low, and sandbars extend far out into the sea. So some think Jesus walked toward his disciples on a sandbar, and it only appeared that he was walking on water. But the Gospels convey that he walked on water and that Peter, his disciple, fell in when he tried. <laughs> I believe it. I'm not saying it's self-evident or irrefutable. I'm saying I believe it. Likewise, some Bible interpreters contend that Jesus did not really multiply five loaves and two fish into enough food to feed thousands. For example, one 18th century scholar surmised that Jesus probably stood at the entrance of a cave in which his disciples had already stored a bunch of food. And they kept handing it to him from behind so he could keep passing it out to the masses. But that's not what the Gospels say. In fact, all four Gospels relate that Jesus miraculously multiplied five loaves and two fish into enough to feed 5,000 men plus women and children, and they even had leftovers. <laughs> I believe the gospel writers. I'm not saying it's self-evident or 
irrefutable that Jesus made such a massive meal out of five biscuits and two tilapias. I'm saying I believe it. Many people find it hard to believe that Jesus arose from the dead. To me, this is more important than whether he literally walked on water or actually fed 5,000 because the resurrection of Christ is foundational to Christian faith. Yet some view the resurrection appearances of Jesus as mere psychological experiences of the disciples. Several writers assert that the resurrection is a metaphor and that Jesus continued living only in the memories and hearts of his disciples. But that's not what the Gospels say. They say Jesus arose from the dead Sunday morning and appeared to his disciples thereafter and ate some broiled fish and displayed the wounds from the crucifixion that he still wore upon his body. I believe Jesus arose from that grave. I believe it was a mysterious resurrection, but a real resurrection. I believe it was a spiritual resurrection and a bodily resurrection. I'm not saying the resurrection of Christ is self-evident or irrefutable. I'm saying I believe it. In view of the extraordinary claims of the gospel, a pivotal question has emerged throughout the centuries. Do we seek to understand in order that we might believe? Or do we seek to believe in order that we might understand? In other words, do we understand our way to belief? Or do we believe our way to understanding? In my view, Christian faith is intellectually defensible and in many expressions intellectually powerful, but it's not intellectually obvious. So I would agree with the medieval theologian St. Anselm that we believe in order that we might understand. That the Christian journey is faith Seeking understanding. We have to take the risk of faith in order to see the truth of God in the world and in our own lives. But once we believe, it awakens our imagination and sparks a holy sense of wonder and enables us to see the truth of the gospel and the fingerprints of the divine all over the place. We start to see possibilities where formerly there were roadblocks. Not just in terms of the natural order, but also in terms of social relations and personal development. Family members who are estranged could reconcile through forgiveness. Individuals beset with addiction could break free with the help of a higher power. 
persons weighed down with internal guilt could experience release through divine grace. Teenagers mired in discouragement could regain their footing through spiritual hope. Senior adults who are languishing could renew a sense of purpose through the good news of Jesus Christ. Social groups that are divided by ethnicity or economics could come together through the love of God to seek justice and righteousness. Nations at war could turn their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks in the name of the God of peace. Fresh life could emerge from desiccated landscapes, and new life could spring from areas occupied by death through the inscrutable and unsurpassable power of God. For those who worry that certain tenets of the Christian faith are improbable, for those who are concerned that certain promises of the gospel are Unlikely, God has a reply. When the angel first told Mary that she would have a baby through a virgin birth, the angel said something we must never forget. The angel said something that calmed Mary's fears and fortified her faith. The angel said something that expanded Mary's perspective and can expand our perspectives. The angel said something that uh, we can cling to like a life raft in the raging river of earthly existence. The angel said something we can underline in our Bible, something we can recite each morning when we wake up for the day, something we can whisper to ourselves at school, something we can write on a sticky note at work. The angel said something we can say during our prayers, uh, something that we can meditate on when we lie down at night. The angel said something we can etch in our minds, something we can inscribe on our hearts, something we can emblazon on our souls, something we can ensconce in our memory. The angel said something short but powerful, something simple but profound, something quick but amazing. The angel said something that captures the whole spirit of Christmas. The angel says something that captures the whole essence of the gospel. Uh, the angel said something that captures the whole potential of Christian uh, hope. Uh, what the angel said to Mary was nothing is impossible with God. Amen. We now have the chance to share the brightness of the Christ light with one another. To celebrate the great possibility of the light of Christ going out and brightening areas of darkness. As our deacons help us, I remind you to 
supervise young children carefully, and let's share the light of Christ with one another.
Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Thanks be to God. Amen.